Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen as Pastor Ward brings today's message from God's Word. We've been trying to get there for the better part of a month or so. I'm trying to cover two chapters on Sunday night because I want to get to the last five chapters of the book of Revelation. If we could do this two or three Sundays in a row, then we'd be pretty close to our goal. But we've had some other things, uh, missionaries to come in or other services. And, uh, and so I started this early in the summer, and we're just chapter number 10. We're not going verse by verse, and I'm not going to take time for any review tonight as to the place that we are. And uh, so we've been in this, uh, in this time of the uh, sounding of the trumpets. We've made it through six of those. And we begin our reading tonight in chapter number 10. And um, I want to I wanna just read some verses, and then I'm going to make some comments uh, about, the, um, about these verses and uh, see what the Lord has for us. Let's look, look at chapter number 10. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea, and his left foot upon the earth, and cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roareth, and when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his head, uh, to he- his hand rather, to heaven. And s- Swear by him that liveth forever, who created heaven and the things that are therein, and the earth and the things that are there, that therein are, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. I want to stop there and pause for just a moment. I believe that every chapter of the book of Revelation has a key verse. The key verse, in my opinion, is the latter part of verse number 6. And so we see that the promise that the end is coming, the end is coming. We see that in our notes momentarily. But in verse number 6, he said that there should be time no longer. Now that's, that's what this chapter and chapter number 11 is all about. It's another reminder that time will not be forever and forever here on the earth. I'm going to stop there for just a moment and go to some of our notes and then we'll read a little bit more in the chapter perhaps in just a little bit. When you come to the book of Revelation, and uh, again, the, the, our, our thought tonight in chapter number 10 is the end is coming. 10.6, that there should be time no longer. And in a moment we'll look at chapter number 10. There's a lot, of, a lot of things that are going on. There's a lot of things today that are going on about the book of Revelation. There's a lot of a plagiarism uh, when you come to the book of Revelation. When you do studies, 
I have no less than 25 books in my library at home that are, are commentaries of the book of Revelation. Some of them are very thin. Some of them are very thick. They're by a numerous group of authors. And for the most part, when you hear a message out of the book of Revelation or you read a book about the book of Revelation, you're going to find a lot of crossover between the authors. And there's a great men like, uh, like Clarence Larkin and uh, the great uh, book that he wrote that has all the graphics in it. If, if you don't have that book, um, you need to make sure. Dispensational Truth is the book. It's about this big and it's brown and it's about this thick. And he was an architect, an engineer by trade. And so he went into the scripture. And anytime you see these uh, unfolding diagrams or you see uh, diagrams on the wall about the last days and about the coming of the Lord and, and everything put into a time schedule, usually they get that from Clarence Larkin. And uh, then there's been other great men, John Phillips and M.R. DeHaan and Harold Seitler and James Jones and Max Alderman, and all of these men, they've been so good to take time to write about the book of Revelation. Uh, but we see that there's a, a lot, of, lot of the commentary, and, and so I'm saying to you tonight, not everything that I say, not everything that comes, this is a little of a disclaimer, not everything that I tell you tonight comes right from between uh, uh, my boxcar with a BB laying in it up here. And uh, so... It's, um, there's a lot of things that we learn from other people. Isn't that right? I tell you, everything that we know, we learn. Isn't that true? Everything that we know, we learn. And sometimes it's from other people. And then there's a lot of debate. There's a lot of debate in the book of Revelation. A lot of debate in the book of Revelation. And some of it is even in this chapter that we're, or the next chapter that we'll be in tonight. Uh, there's debate about who the two witnesses are. And there's some that are on one side as far as who they might be and some that are on the other side. There's debate about who the Antichrist is. Uh, who is this man of sin? Uh, there's debate about the great whore. Who, who is she? That's found in, what, 17.1 and 19.2, somewhere around in there uh, she's made mention of. Uh, who is that? Who is that? Uh, there's debate... Uh, in the chapter that we're in tonight about who is this mighty angel? Who is the mighty angel that is mentioned when he said in verse number one, and I saw another mighty angel. We've seen some already. And now we see this other mighty angel. Uh, there's a lot of debate as to what is, um, and as far as the two witnesses are concerned, and many of the other things that are given to us graphically in the book of Revelation, <laughs> there are people who debate that which is literal and uh, that which is allegorical. And so sometimes they want to, you know, it's just like everything else. People don't want to believe that hell is real and so that they, they determine that Luke chapter number 16 is a parable. I've got one fault in that. And uh, there's actually two or three faults in that idea. But the reality of it is a parable can never be equal to that which it represents. And so if hell is as bad as what it says it is in Luke chapter number 16, I'd rather it be a parable than, uh, than, you know, uh, I, than the real thing that it really is because the real thing is always more severe or greater than that which it is describing as being described as. 
And so when it comes to this, these matters in the, old, in the book of Revelation and in the Old Testament as well, uh, people want to pick and choose what they're comfortable with. I don't think we have a right to do that. I'll be honest with you in this series, if I don't know uh, who they are, I may make a few suggestions, but I will not be dogmatic, emphatic about who this person is and what's going on here. And even in this chapter, uh, some people that, you know, they want to know, well, who are these, who are these seven uh, voices of thunder? And what did they say? You can spend a lifetime trying to find out. You know what you're going to know about it? No more than you know tonight. No more than you know tonight. Not one new thing will you find out about the seven voices of thunder than what is said in this passage of Scripture. And what is said, when they get through sounding their voices of thunder, the angel speaks to John, says, put down your pen, fold up your piece of paper, and close it up, and put it aside. We do serve a sovereign God. He can do what he wants to do. He doesn't have to tell us anything. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and some people are bugged by that. You know, they, well, I'm going to find out. I'm going to find out. Well, uh, don't waste your time. And so here, let's look at a couple of things tonight uh, in, in, these, um, in these verses. And first of all, in verse number one, we are introduced to this another mighty angel, another mighty angel. Now, he is described in certain terms that would lead us to almost believe that it is the Lord Jesus Christ. In my personal opinion, I think that, that there's two or three things that might lean um, that way, that um, might be uh, documentation that this is the Lord. Now, you can go away with, and if your Bible has a footnote at the bottom that it's Michael or Gabriel or somebody else, don't even come show me after the service tonight. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not disturbed enough about it either way. We do know that it's another mighty angel. But notice what it said about him, that he's clothed with a cloud. Remember how in Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 11, when our Lord ascended back up into heaven, what was he well, what was he riding on? He was riding on the cloud, wasn't he? Riding on the cloud. Now, just a little hint there. Uh, who was it in the Old Testament that, that was represented as the um, cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night? Well, we see some of these same terminologies that are being used that we find elsewhere in the Scripture that are descriptive of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and who He is and how He's described, some of those same terms come out in this verse. Could it be Him? Uh, this matter of the rainbow. And then the sun. And um, He's mentioned as a rainbow. There's a rainbow upon His head and His face were, uh, was as it were the sun. As He appeared there in Acts chapter uh, Matthew chapter number 17, uh, there at the, um, um, on the Mount of Transfiguration. And uh, then the matter of fire, and I already mentioned the pillar of fire, and, and else, uh, elsewhere in the scripture, it describes him that way. But then it comes to when it says, let's look at it again. He was clothed with a cloud, could be him. A rainbow was upon his head, it could be him. And his face was as it were the sun, it could be him and his feet as a pillar of fire. It could be him. And look at this. And he had in his hand, 
he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot, look at this, he put his right foot upon the sea and his left foot upon the earth and cried with a loud voice as with a lion, as, as a, when a lion roareth. And when he cried, the seven thunders uttered their voices. And so we have a, a description of perhaps the Lord Jesus Christ and then uh, the uh, what is going on in chapter number 10 and chapter number 11 is once again there's, there's, um, there's this matter of the sovereign ownership of the earth that is being uh, uh, fought about again and again and again and again. And, uh, then, but the thing that perhaps leads me most to believe that it could be Jesus and some of you are sitting there looking at it like, that's not what my Bible said. I'm not saying that what mine said. I just got to preach for a little while. <laughs> got to have something to say. Notice, uh, the, but the key perhaps is given to us in the next chapter when we're introduced to uh, the two olive trees and the two lampstands and the two witnesses. You know what he calls the two witnesses? He said, my two witnesses. My two witnesses could be him. And so we see, first of all, another mighty angel, and then we see this little book. Not a lot is said about the little book early on, and uh, we have a little bit more description of it as we get to the end of the chapter. And then in verses 3 and verse number 4, we have a loud voice. Another mighty angel, this little book, and uh, a loud voice. And uh, that's in verses 3 and verse number 4. When he cries out with a loud voice and the seven thunders had uttered their voices and so on and so forth. And then, of course, the things that were said were sealed up and, um, and he was not allowed to write them down. In verses 5 through 7, we see the final message. And this is where I want to get to. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and all things that are therein, and the earth and the things that are therein, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. And once again it is cried loudly that it's not going to be forever. I know we live that way today. We live like life is going to be forever and forever and forever, but we're reminded that there's going to come a time that life will be no longer. Now let's read on a few more verses. But in the days, in verse number 7, of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery, the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, Go, and take the little book which is in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey. 
But as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again, therefore, uh, before rather, before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. So here's the outline of chapter number 10. I really want to get to chapter number 11 quickly. Another mighty angel, a little book, a loud voice, the final message, and then a sweet and bitter sermon. A sweet and bitter sermon. A sweet and bitter sermon, and it is mentioned in verse number 11, he said that you must prophesy to many people, and I believe part of the message that is going to be prophesied is what he said in the latter part of verse number 6, that time is not going to be no longer. The warning, I tell you, it was, a, it was a warning in the Old Testament. It was a warning in the New Testament. It is a warning throughout the Gospels. It is a warning that Jesus gave. And one of the final sermons that are preached uh, here in the scripture as John goes about to be obedient to the Lord and he takes this little book and he puts it in his mouth and he chooses up and he swallows it and then he, and there's so much to say. There's, there's so much typology there about uh, uh, hermeneutics and all those kind of things and homiletics and and sermon preparation and, and, and feeding ourselves on the Word of God. And the reality of it is, sometimes when we take it in, it is sweet as honey. Sometimes when it is given out, it becomes bitter as possible. I want to get into chapter number 11. Now, I don't mean to confuse you on any of the previous things, and, uh, and so we'll just leave that exactly where it is. If you have better thoughts about it, uh, we'll let you share them at another time, okay? Chapter number 11, verses 1 through 19, and I really must hurry along with this. I want to uh, just uh, read, read a little bit, and then we'll come back and give you uh, the outline of the chapter, as I have it, and you'll see it on the screen. And there was given to me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God in the altar, and them that worship therein. You make a note of that. But the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore, that is a thousand two hundred and sixty days, uh, clothed in sackcloth, that is three and a half years, three and a half biblical years. Uh, a, 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 Bible, a biblical year was 360 days, not according to the calendar that we go by, 365 days. So if you divide the uh, 1260 uh, by the 360, you'll get three and a half years. And said these two, uh, these are two olive trees and two candlesticks standing before God on the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and, I have, and have power over waters to turn them into blood. Now we're getting a couple of hints on who the two witnesses may very well be. To turn them into blood and to smite the earth with plagues as often as they will. And they shall have, when they, sh 
shall have finished their testimony. The beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom in Egypt, where also the Lord was crucified. And they of the people and the kindreds and the tongues and the nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their bodies to be put in graves. And they, it gets better, ladies and gentlemen. And they shall dwell upon the earth. They that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt in the earth. Huh. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them. And they stood upon their feet and great fear fell upon all them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up into heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. And the same hour was there a great earthquake, and a tenth part of the city fell. And the earthquake, in the earthquake, were slain of the men seven thousand, and the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe cometh quickly. And finally, the seventh trumpet. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our God, there it is, and of Christ, and he shall reign forevermore. It's all about the sovereign ownership of planet Earth. Who owns the Earth? And that's the battle that the devil has been raging for uh, millenniums of time. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry. Can you imagine that? And thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and to them that fear thy name, small and great, and should destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in the temple the ark of the testament, and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings, and the earthquake and, the, and great hell. And, and so it was as it has been so far. Now, going back very quickly, let me throw these thoughts at you and you'll see them on the screen. As I mentioned in chapter number 10, the key verse is found in chapter number 10 and verse number 6, that the end is coming, that there should be no more time. The key to chapter number 11 is that the uh, subduing of the kingdoms of God, and it's found in chapter 11 and verse number 15, the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God. In verses 1 through 2, we find, curiously, the measuring of the temple. I don't know what all is going on about that. I don't think that it's definitely... Uh, uh, he doesn't mention that he's measuring the, the uh, square feet of the temple, the dimensions of the temple. This building here is 60 feet wide and 110 or 115 feet long, and the ceilings are 22 foot high. I don't know. I don't think that it's that kind of measurement that is taking place. I don't know how far this goes, but I can say this. I do know that he's measuring two things in the temple. 
Let me say that again. I do know that two things are being measured and the things that will be measured in the temple that day are more than likely the two things that our God is interested in measuring in his house tonight. Notice what they are. In, the, in, uh, verse, number, in uh, verse number one, we're not going all the way back to it again, don't panic. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod and the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God. And he said, measure the altar. You know, I'm not sure that this altar here is probably a foot wide and 12 feet long. We have one on either side. This church has had altars in it. A lot of times churches use this area here. We use this as an altar as well or up here, whatever, down the aisles, wherever the case may be. The old building had altars in it. They had altars in the building when they were next door. And we talked about that a little bit not long ago. But we do know that he, I think that the measure is the activity that's going on at the altar. There are at least seven different altars that are given to us throughout the scripture. And there's great men. Uh, Noah was a man who spent a lot of time building altars. Matter of fact, when he got off the ark, he built an altar. Abraham was a man that built altars through his, as he made his trek from the land of the Ur of Chaldees till he got to near the land of Canaan. Altars throughout the scripture. Is, uh, uh, Elijah and uh, uh, many of the Old Testament prophets, they were all men of altars. And so there's a measurement of the altar and then, then the other measure, two, two measures, the temple as a whole and then the altar and the worship. Isn't that interesting? God's not counting the money. He's not counting the collections. He's, he's, not, he's not counting the, necessarily counting the noses. What did the old timers say? That church is not made up of numbers, nickels, and noise? Numbers, noses, and noise. I hadn't heard it in so long, I had to think for just a moment. Numbers, noses, and noise. But it is made up of worship. And the God that will be measuring the altar in heaven, uh, the, uh, from heaven, and measuring the temple, and measuring the altar, and measuring the worship that is taking place. Here's something else. What about the two witnesses? Now, I'm not... Uh, uh, the two olive trees, we understand that they are for, uh, representative of the resources of God that the work can be done. Uh, the two lampstands are channels and that God can use to complete the work that needs to be done. The two witnesses, who could they be? And uh, it was Elijah who had the power to stop the rain that is mentioned in uh, verse number 6, I believe it is, uh, one of them uh, obviously had power that he could stop the rain. It was Elijah that came before Ahab and cut the water spigot off, so to speak, for three and a half years. It was Moses that stood and the water was turned into blood throughout the land of Egypt. It very well could be. It very well could be uh, Elijah and Moses. And uh, moving on, 
Here's what Max Alderman said about these two witnesses. He said, I'm not sure who they are. I'm not sure what, uh, you know, what all is going on. But he said, I know this, these three things about them. Number one, they have power. He said they did. These two witnesses have power. Not only do they have power, but they're persecuted. Brother Max is, is a master at alliteration. But he said they also were prevailing. <laughs> they went from power to persecution to prevailing at the end of the story. We have in verses 1 through 2 the measuring of the temple. In verses 3 through 13 we have the power of the two witnesses. In verses 14 through 15 we have the second woe and the seventh trumpet take place. In uh, verse number 15 we have subduing of the world kingdom. They do belong to God. But then when you get down to verses 16 and 17, we have worship of God Almighty. I believe that's number five. The worship of God Almighty. I like what he said in those verses in 16 and 17 and the four and 20 elders. We, keep, we see these guys over and over. Which sat before God in, on their seats, fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, we give thee thanks and, oh Lord, God Almighty. And, and they go on and talk about His power and how that He has reigned. And so we see the worship of Almighty God. And in that these things have transpired, the devil has lost his stronghold on the earth once again. Uh, he lost it at Calvary, and now he loses it again for the second time. And uh, the, the nations of the world become very angry because... God has now subdued the kingdom and once again he is declared the owner of everything. And so there's the anger of the nations. That's verse number 17. And then finally in verse number 19 at the closing of the chapter, we get a vision of the heavenly temple. And the temple of God was opened in heaven and there was seen in the temple the ark of the testament and there was lightnings and voices and thunderings, and the earthquake, and great hail. These two chapters, one declaring that time will be no longer. I know a lot of, I said a lot to, to review that. And the other saying that God subdues the earth. He takes full charge of the earth. I'm glad that he has the power. I'm glad that he's in charge. That's a lot, of, lot in a little bit of time. What's that, 20, 28 verses or something that we've covered tonight. But I do want to move along quickly because I've got to get to the last five chapters. Thank you for your patience tonight. And uh, thank you for listening fast while I was talking fast. Let's all stand for a word of prayer. Our Father, we thank you as we read these verses yet again and again and study them together. Lord, help us to be mindful that the world in which we live will not last forever. You've declared it in the book of Peter and throughout the scripture. You've warned that the time is coming. Lord, help us to be careful about living as though things will go on as they are forever and forever. Help us to warn sinners that a day is coming 
that this world shall be no more. Lord, thank you for allowing us to glimpse at these things. Thank you for the message of revelation. May it inspire us to be better Christians, better servants, better witnesses, knowing that these things shall come to pass. In Jesus' name. While these are praying, we invite you to come tonight.